Tim Brando of Fox Sports joins us to talk college hoops and the NCAA tournament is coming up in 20 minutes. Outkick 360 and just like that, the second hour is here. Hutton and Withrow with you. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, just a, a quick update of where we are across the NFL. Darren Waller, talented tight end out of Vegas with the Raiders. He's been traded to the New York Giants in exchange for a third round pick. So Waller joins Daniel Jones and plenty of talent uh, with the Giants offense and what they're doing uh, with uh, year number two under new leadership from the front office down. And we're still awaiting official word on Aaron Rodgers, but a report from Diana Rossini tells us that he's put together this wish list of Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Odell Beckham Jr., Mercedes Lewis, and that the Jets are working on all four of those players, bringing them to the organization. And we at least know of two with Lazard and with Cobb where they've directly reached out, and it sounds as though that the Jets have already come to terms with Alan Lazard, free agent wide receiver out of Green Bay. And again, we'll keep you updated as, as more news comes out on day number two of the open negotiation across the league. Things become official tomorrow uh, afternoon whenever we take the air starting at 3 o'clock Eastern. Chad, from the college basketball perspective, most of the fans filling out a bracket right now, all of the madness that ensues starting on Thursday, we're really starting to see these teams for the first time. Uh, I think the vast majority of those tuned in. That should not be the case for studio hosts and uh, our television options for tournament action. When talking about the brackets on Selection Sunday during the show on CBS, Clark Kellogg referred to Texas as the Texas Froghorns when talking about them. <laughs> now, that is a slip of the tongue, and it's understandable. Yeah. You know, TCU's in the, in the field also, the, the Horn Frogs. So saying that, I, I give him a pass. He knows it's the Texas Longhorns. He slipped up. No big deal. I say that comical story mm -hmm. to tell you the story of something not as comical, and that is the fact that we are going to be inundated with, uh, with uh, celebrity, celebrity studio hosts that know nothing about the sport they're talking about or, or the teams they're talking about in this tournament, and that's a shame. I love Charles Barkley. I love Kenny Smith. Um, I like Candace Parker. These are not college basketball, men's college basketball analysts that are following the sport and really know the ins and outs of the sport and the teams they're going to be talking about. They're going to learn enough about seven or eight teams they feel like are going to play deep into this tournament to be dangerous and talk about the games in a way that will be entertaining. They don't know about the season Charleston has had or UNC Asheville's chances against UCLA, or what Drake brings to the table. And I think college basketball as a sport suffers from that a bit. This is not a month where it suffers. This is where America tunes in. College basketball has become a one-month sport for most of America. People tune in in March, and that's it. They fill out a bracket. They skip work Thursday and Friday of this tournament. They're going to go to a sports bar all day. They're going to eat wings. They're going to drink beer. And they're going to have their brackets out, like I do right now, right in front of them. And they're going to be Xing teams out or circling them the next round. It's an American institution unlike any other. It is what I believe is the single best sporting event in America when you look at the month that the tournament exists and how many teams are involved. I love it. The Thursday of the NCAA tournament is one of my favorite sports days of the year. 
Most sports fans out there agree. A lot of them do. And even non-sports fans love the Thursday and Friday to start the NCAA tournament. But if you are invested in college basketball and people being interested in the sport, I think it's mindful of you, if you're in positions of power at Turner Sports or anywhere else, to put people on air talking about the sport that know about the sport in totality. If not, you're just going to have more people who just tune in in March because it's sort of a sideshow spectacle. And Hutton, maybe that's ultimately what they want, right? You know, you wanna, you're know, you going to have the eyeballs there no matter what. There's a reason Turner Sports spends so much to the NCAA for this tournament yeah. because a lot of people are going to tune in. But I don't think that helps them broaden the gap to make college basketball not a I'm not even saying from November on thing, but maybe from January on. Instead of making it one month, could you extend the interest that's just common average sports fans to two or three months? That's where the sport sort of needs to go next. March has no problem. Everyone's paying attention right now. Yes, and you know I'm looking at it from the other sports perspectives. I can't. I mean, what would the NFL equivalent be of college football discussion? You know, we don't see that crossover like we do here. Yeah, Kirk Herbstreit going to Prime Videos but the, but the Thursday night stuff, game. Like the, uh, Kirk Herbstreit in the booth is watching games, yeah. right? Like uh, the, the studio shows, though. Like it would be it, like Terry Bradshaw going and covering exactly. what it, we're seeing it would for be, the big noon kickoff. It'd be Fox getting the rights to the college football playoff, and instead of bringing Joel Klatt and their college football analyst yeah. on, it's and Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer. Yeah. they would go to Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long, Jimmy Johnson, and yeah. throw them in the studio with them. Yeah, during bowl season or something. Yeah, during the playoff. That, right. that would be the equivalent. Yeah, and I, 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 don't, I don't hate Barkley on anything. I don't like, either. You know, like the, it, I want him as a part of coverage because he's passionate about the, the game. Um, I, it, even if he's just watching a team for the first time, I like his reaction to watching that team for the first time. I don't need four versions of Charles Barkley's expert, quote-unquote, analysis on college hoops, though. It's just, I mean, way too much for that end of the analysis, right? I need one guy to entertain me, and it's Barkley. It's no one else on that set. So I wish they would just narrow the focus of what they're trying to, to get here. And then, you know, especially on the first weekend, we'll see guys rotate in and out versus the entire day being focused on one Here's what it'll look like, by the way. So Greg Gumbel is the main host of the studio work in between games, halftimes, everything else. Charles Barkley, Clark Kellogg, Kenny Smith, and occasionally Wally Zerbiak will be a part of that crew. Ernie Johnson will also host a studio in Atlanta that will be with Jay Wright, who I think will be terrific. He was good in the selection show, I thought. Candace Parker, who I think is great on TV. Uh, I don't think she's necessarily great with college basketball, but she's a good TV presence. And Seth Davis, who is a writer but knows college basketball. Right. Of the people that are you know in it every day, Seth Davis lives college basketball year-round. That's what he covers. That's what he writes about for The Athletic. So he knows the sport. He knows, hey. he knows all these teams and these Cinderella teams. So I think he's fine. Uh, but those are the studios. I mean, would it be advantageous to put... They want eyeballs on, because Barkley's bringing that presence, right? But would it it be advantageous to have, you know, something that's similar to the Manning cast, where you have the option to view that studio show if you want that, um, instead of having to flip back and forth to the different studios? I don't think that... um, 
I think for sponsorship purposes, that Turner probably just wants to keep it on, you know, CBS or wherever they put it, right, for the it's national also, championship game. I wonder the strategy but behind. But wouldn't, wouldn't Barkley and Kenny Smith be fun in that Manning cast type setting? Yeah, or, or anyone, anyone with Barkley. Yeah, just doing the final four games, I'm saying. Yeah, and they split Ernie up from them and yeah. put Gumble with them, right? Or That's what they're doing here. I wonder... Uh, I just think those two would be fun. Like they could host it on their own, just talking about the game and telling stories. Yeah. Uh, Barkley would like to do that with an Alabama fan base, believe it or not, uh, because of hoops, because it's not football. He, both Auburn and Alabama will be playing uh, the first-round matchups in Birmingham. By the way, awesome for the city of Birmingham. Oh, it's excellent. That you have that? We've been down there for but, USFL stuff. We, we're attached to that BJCC, yeah, the Birmingham, great. Jefferson County uh, Community Civic Center. But just knowing the... And that's an awesome setup to have both those teams Yeah, there. just knowing the vibe, though, of the sterile environment of this tournament in round one and two. It won't be that way there. No, and... I that that's how they should have treated Kansas and Kansas City, yeah, honestly. And they sent them elsewhere. Um, but the environment's going to be cordial. Barkley believes between Auburn and Alabama fans. Listen, this ain't football, so I think Alabama Auburn fans are going to be rooting for each other. That's just my personal opinion. Alabama and Auburn, we hate them in football. They hate us. When you get to the arena as an Auburn fan, if Alabama is playing, you're going to root for them more than likely. Same thing, I think, for Alabama fans. They're going to root for Auburn. That's Charles Barkley on a, a Zoom call previewing the NCAA tournament for CBS. Chad, you have a theory as to why he feels this way, so, which is way off base here. I, they hate each other. Yeah, the, he's. I think he's completely wrong about this, especially given the Brandon Miller, the the Darius Miles, the whole saga there. Auburn fans even hate Alabama more, just like the rest of America. Yes. will root against Alabama in this tournament. And they're <laughs> the number one overall seed. So you root against the favorite also. Um I'm going to go on a limb. I don't know where Charles Barkley lives full-time, mm. but I feel like he probably hasn't lived in Alabama since he played at Auburn. Uh, he played in Philly in the NBA. He played in Phoenix. He played in Houston. I feel like he lives in Atlanta, maybe, is his full-time home now. Um, Charles Barkley, who is a man of the people, and I think does a better job relating to the common sports fan or common American better than almost any celebrity that's on television. He's great at it. I think this is Charles Barkley showing that he doesn't necessarily relate to the state of Alabama right now and those fan bases, and here may be why. Charles Barkley, when he talks to Alabama fans, they love Charles Barkley because most people love Charles Barkley. So if you were inundated with a fan base that is constantly nice to you, telling you how much they love you, and you are big-time Auburn Tiger basketball player, Charles Barkley, I can understand how you would be tricked into believing that Alabama fans really don't hate Auburn because it's basketball, because Charles Barkley was a basketball player. And if these Bama fans are nice to me, they're certainly going to cheer on Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers in Birmingham in the NCAA tournament. And my Auburn buddies are all pretty nice that I hang out with. They're going to cheer on the home state team. In, in Alabama. I think that's what's probably fooled Charles Barkley here. I'm trying to think of any excuse, Hutton, because this is a really crazy take from Charles Barkley. They are not going to cheer on each other. No. Uh, Harvey Updike exists, right? Like that, that storyline is just uh, added fuel uh, from years prior that will never be forgotten. And look, uh, chances are the Alabama fans, at least 
the ones we saw, the two we saw at the SEC tournament, they don't represent everyone, but they'll be represented in some capacity, and they'll be wearing shirts like killing our way through the SEC in 2023. Those guys will be back. Those yeah. guys will be back down in Birmingham, so that's not going to help and, anything. And who knows? Maybe they're bringing more with them since it's in Birmingham. With the animosity, that's definitely not going to help. Yeah, yeah no, I, I just, again, I, I think Charles Barkley is probably around a lot of Bama people that worship him. So it'd be easy to think, oh, well, all Alabama fans must be nice if they're this nice to me. Uh, so UNC not playing in any tournament. Um, look, I, Hubert Davis is saying we're not going. Like we, we have the aspirations of playing in the NCAA tournament. Preseason number one by the AP, not making the tournament since they went to the field of, what, 64 uh, before 68. That's the first time it's ever happened. And Davis was saying his Tar Heels aren't playing in the NIT. And look, I, I, they're receiving heat for this. I honestly don't have a problem with it. I've, you set your goal. You don't want to go play in the NIT tips off tonight. What are the odds we're previewing any of those games for the NIT? And what, how many starters are back from a team that brought back starters after playing for the national championship that actually factor into developing a team for next year, especially during the transfer portal? This is going to be a turnover. It's, it's the way I view this, and it's on to next season, as it should be based on how this season went. Uh, a trip to Madison Square Garden is empty and hollow based on the stance and the expectation of where North Carolina hoops should be and will be back to. Uh, the, the, the tap out, opt out for the national invitation tournament. And look, the NCAA took this over. I understand. Like they're, they're wanting, there's one reason why. North Carolina is being asked to and demanded, you got to play in this tournament. They want eyeballs on that product. It's added to the, 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 the TV audience. No one's tuning in for this, though. And in fact, Carolina's been tuned out. And Chad, we tuned them out midway through the season based on how they were playing. Yeah, and I think this is less a university decision to sit this out and more of a roster decision. It's got to be. To not want to yeah. continue playing. I think Hubert Davis went to his team and just said, what do you guys think? And they all probably very lukewarm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... We don't want to keep playing. It, it, this, has got, this has been miserable yeah. for North Carolina. Like, it is very difficult to explain. I don't know if there was internal issues or what happened or they just had a very unlucky and bad season. But that was a group that made it all the way to the national championship game a year ago and led by 15 points yes. in that national championship game before losing to Kansas. They were red hot. Maybe that was a little fluky based on their season last year. They just got hot at the right time and they weren't really that good. But they got some players in that team that should have been a lot better. And to come in number one overall and to not make the NCAA tournament, that's crushing. To have those expectations and not even get an invite to the tournament where you have a chance to redeem yourself after a very frustrating regular season, they're not going to find redemption in the NIT. And they know that. The coach knows that. The fans know that. So I think the players probably made it easy on everyone and just said, we don't want to play. Let's get to the offseason. You can get to your transfer portal. We'll get to ours if right. it's guys that want to leave. And then we'll run this thing again a year from now and see who's left yeah. and see if you can be better next year. Chad, it, 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 this is a great example to have and the have-nots. Carolina's saying, yeah, we don't need to play anymore. We're, we're on to next year. Meanwhile, uh, you have uh, Detroit Mercy with 
Antone Davis, who had has the four points away from setting the new all-time scoring record in college hoops, the CBI um, did not give them the invite because they could not pay the twenty-seven thousand five hundred entry fee to play in this tournament. So Pistol Pete's record will remain atop the all-time scoring list for college basketball. I think that's, I don't hate that. That's discussion, what's right. But there's no doubt that Detroit Mercy would love the opportunity to play in the postseason and host a game like that. But to do so, you're going to pay twenty eight grand to do it that's, for a tournament. That I can't even tell you where it's playing. That is that's what's right. I'm, I'm sure it's at the home venues of the there's going to be teams I'm hosting. TV wise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, is I, it on DAZN? I don't know. It's got to be digital <laughs> only, right? Yeah. Do they just do boxing, or do they have CBI basketball also? Maybe Outkick can get the rights to that. Yeah, that's something we maybe. could show on the Outkick Network or CBI games. That could be our first property. Um, here's what I, I take away from that. Detroit Mercy is one of the 368 Division I basketball teams. This is yes. the beauty and the madness of March Madness. You talked about UNC Asheville's budget. Detroit Mercy couldn't pay $27,500 to get their guy, the all-time scoring leader, yes. crown in NCAA basketball history. Yet there is a scenario where they could play against Texas <laughs> in the tournament. <laughs> right? Yes. Like They could be matched up with Duke yeah. at some point. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy to think about the discrepancy in the bottom end. I mean, in, through all of them, right? The middle yes. of Division I college basketball – the 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 thirtieth percentile of it, and then on down to the bottom of the barrel, and Detroit Mercy and a lot of programs that just have no money and no real resources, and this is a great example of that. And Pistol Pete's record, which has stood for fifty three years, it goes on to year fifty four. Coming up, Tim Brando joins us from Fox Sports. We'll continue with the bracket discussion. He does not have one of our final four teams um, bowing out early but he does have a team chad that we did not mention or we have not discussed cutting down the nets in houston tim brando with us next now kick 360 from sixth and peabody with yeehaw beer and old smoky moonshine i'll kick 360 rolls on um thursday and friday throughout the show chad we will be immersed in all things hoops We'll have the brackets going. We'll be updating you in real time, all the storylines, the upsets, the Cinderella runs, and the discussion about the best games that are happening right in front of us. We'll have it live, and we'll be reacting. We will bathe in basketball. We will lather yes. in hardwood on Thursday and Friday, like the rest of America. Plus, we'll keep you updated on all things NFL free agency. Alan Lazard from Green Bay, he signs a four-year contract with or will sign a four-year contract with the New York Jets. That's important because that is reportedly one of the guys that Aaron Rodgers wants on his offense with the Jets. Now, Lazard also, of course, has ties to Nathaniel Hackett, and Hackett is the new offensive coordinator there. Chad, if they end up with Rodgers, this is exactly what Denver was trying to do that they didn't get done. Yeah. When Rodgers decided to stay with Green Bay, and now Green Bay has decided they'll trade Aaron Rodgers and they're waiting on Rodgers to tell them, I'm going to play next year. And I laugh out loud at tweets and reports I saw that, oh, well, this is just the Jets' attempt to 
bring Alan Lazard back to Nathaniel Hackett. That's really the reunion they're looking at. This has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. I'm thinking, yeah, that's it. Nathaniel, we yeah. got to get Nathaniel Hackett's guys back over here. That's why Lazard's going to be a Jet. There is currently a picture, a screenshot of NFL Network right now, and it's Andrew Siciliano, who's the studio host, and he's got Ian Rappaport and two other news reporters on with him, and all three of the reporters are on their phone <laughs> at the same time <laughs> with the Jets' interest in Aaron Rodgers on the bottom of the screen, and they're all responding to text, trying to get any info they can. They're not unlike us right now. We are, we'll pass on any new info in regards to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, but Hutton, we're in the waiting game right now with yes. this one. So the Jets, with let's presume Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Here's your offense. Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Moore, Alan Lazard. At tight end, they have Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzuma. And they also, in the backfield, have Brees Hall. Uh, they have James Robinson, Ty Johnson, and uh, Michael Carter. And presumably Randall Cobb's on his way. He also wants Mercedes Lewis there. Rodgers does. Corey Davis, I haven't mentioned because Corey Davis, uh, they're trying to trade. Ultimately, they'll cut for salary cap purposes. Right. But that's uh, paired with that defense. That's a solid group out of the AFC East against some other solid teams, namely Miami and, of course, in Buffalo. Still waiting to see some other big moves from New England. I think it helps uh, shrink the learning curve for the offense by bringing in some familiar guys, right, yeah. that can help. You know, it's not just Aaron Rodgers. But it's going to be Aaron Rodgers and Hackett, what they want to do. But when you bring in some familiar guys, Lazard, Randall Cobb, I think that helps with the group also. Not that Randall Cobb's going to be some huge part of the offense at this point in his right. career. But it helps Garrett Wilson, for, for example, right? When you have other tentacles out there yeah. that can Offensive help with guys year too. with a quick adjustment to what Aaron Rodgers wants. Outkick 360 is where you can follow us on social media. Our next guest, Tim Brando, joins us from Fox Sports. Time to continue the bracket discussion uh, with one of the best. Tim, how are you, man? I'm great. Jonathan, Chad, it's good to be with both of you, and uh, happy March Madness. I celebrated today with a... Uh, 9 a.m. tea time. If I look a little go. red, it's because well I got a little uh, got a little wind blown out there today. How'd you shoot? <laughs> you know, I, I, I played pretty well. Uh, I haven't played in five months, and I got around uh, the front side in uh, 46, 44, 44, and then a 42. So I shot 86, which, you know, first time to have the clubs out of mothballs in six months, I I'm pretty pleased with I'd that. I'd retire. I, I, I'd retire if I shot an 86. That'd be the best yeah, ever. So I, would, ball. I would hand them back yeah. the clubs the clubhouse and just leave and, and never go back if I shot that well. Well, if you go on my Twitter line, I, I have some fun with it because I'm a I'm a golfaholic. I, I really love the game. But I enjoy playing it more than announcing it. And clearly, um, uh, announcing golf is a tough uh, – that's a tough roster to ever crack. I've done it a few times over at Masters.com and – when when Fox had the U.S. Open, I did it one year on on uh, digital, but I love playing a lot more than broadcasting it, and uh, so I'm I'm fi I'm fine and dandy with just staying home this time of year and and knocking it around a little bit, chasing golf balls and grandbabies this time of year. Tim Brando with us, Fox Sports, uh, and and Tim, we were Chad and I have the same champion. We've got Alabama. Uh, Brandon Miller's playing for a reason, right? They're, they're, we're all, we're not stupid here, and they're really really good. Uh, I did see where you've picked you've picked Arizona 
Um, mm-hmm. And they would be coming out of that bracket in the South. Why are you they going? Would. Why are you going with the Wildcats? Two reasons. Uh, it's still, you know, listen. If it were a best three out of five, you know, if we had the NBA approach to the NCAA tournament, but we don't. It's one and done. Uh, I don't like the draw once they get out of Birmingham. You know, they're they're going to win the first two games. But I, I mean, if you're an Alabama fan, you better root against Virginia. There is not a team in the country and certainly not a team in the SEC that plays with as much discipline and forces you to play their way quite like Tony Bennett's team. Uh, And I do think that the distraction factor with the Miles story and to some extent for the head coach, uh, Nate Oates, I think it's going to amp up uh, from one, one regional to another regional. If they happen to get to the Final Four, good for them. I do think they're the best team playing right now. But uh, that's not what the NCAA tournament is about, fellas. It's about matchups and one and duns. And if you have a flat day, if it doesn't, if the ball doesn't go in, if the iron is unkind, that one day uh, somebody better bail you out. Uh, they're they're more than clearly, uh, you know, Miller. I mean, he he's the best player out there, no question. He's the best college player out there. But they've got more than that. But I think that if they do get past Virginia. In the Elite Eight, Arizona is going to be a really tough out. They played against better defensive teams. They beat a better defensive team in UCLA to win the Pac-12 tournament, and um, they've got they've got guys that can can go double double right with Alabama. So uh, I just think in a one and done situation, the issues off the court, the combination of the new stages, this Alabama team has not been in this environment before. Uh, and I think that's going to be problematic uh, eventually. So uh, that may shock a few people, but I've seen enough of these to know that the best team doesn't always win. We just had this conversation about the studio analyst, and I know you've been a part of, of studios in the past, and bringing in Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, guys that we love, but NBA guys to the NCAA right. March Madness part of this. And there is some blowback from people that, hey, these guys don't really know college basketball. What do you think about those decisions to bring in NBA people to NCAA tournament coverage? Well, I'd say those fans need to understand that Turner is paying 80% of the freight. And if they're paying 80% of the contract cost over CBS, they have the right to put whatever the hell they want <laughs> yeah, uh, in, true. in the studio. Which will, So we'll start there. Yeah, uh, I do get uh, the, the college basketball purists' uh, viewpoint here. But the thing that I will say, and I was involved my last year doing the NCAA tournament was 2013. So that's I'm nine years removed, I'm 10 years from removed from it now. But in 11 and 12 and 13, those were the years that uh, it began, that collaboration. And the one thing I'll say about all of those guys, and, and I'll include Reggie Miller in this uh, as well, they don't presume to tell you that they believe they know all there is to know about college basketball. As a matter of fact, they'll admit up front, you know, I don't see all these teams through the course of the year. So in the case of Reggie for a number of years, I do think Reggie's not doing the games this year with Dan Bonner and Kevin Harlan. I think um, uh, Coach Van Gundy is. So, uh, but again, another NBA guy. But Dan Bonner you know, I've worked with Dan for over 35 years. Uh, we did ACC tournaments together and Duke, North Carolina games together at Raycom Sports and Jefferson Pilot back in the day. Dan sees a ton of games and and he will uh, bring some of that uh, to the to the game site when when those three are together. 
whoever the three may be. Charles is really honest about what he doesn't know. <laughs> you know, no one could be, uh, you know, more candid about what he doesn't know about the college game than, than Sir Charles. So I don't have a problem with it uh, because I know the people involved and I know they're being honest about what they're covering. Uh, I tell you what really bothers me, fellas, more than anything, is when you're watching a college basketball game and in the middle of it, somebody will bring out some NBA draft guru to tell me where this or that player yeah. projects. You are screwing with our game when you do that. The college game is to be celebrated. Uh, and these players, the great majority of them, will not be playing at the next level. So why bring a guy in to talk about that in the middle of the most important college basketball games of the year? Uh, I have not seen uh, CBS or Turner do that. I have seen it done on ESPN way, way too often. Uh, the game sh sh should be what matters most. And, and frankly, when you do that to the sport, uh, it's, I, I think you're undercutting it quite a bit. But as long as the broadcasters are honest, and, and frankly, uh, I've, I've learned some things from, from Charles and from Kenny Smith when they've said, you know, in this situation, strictly from a player's point of view, okay, and that's the prism they're coming from, this is what you need to be able to do late in a game. And sometimes uh, those things are, are, are what college players miss and maybe sometimes even college uh, coaches miss. OK, so I think uh, basketball is basketball in a lot of ways, but they are two different sports. And I think the balance here has been very, very good. I applaud my old uh, uh, boss, Sean McManus, and the people that were in charge of Turner at the time that it took place and, and, and what they've been doing with it since, because uh, I think seeing the whole tournament has been great. You know, like I said, I experienced it for the first three years of the collaboration. And um, if you love basketball and you want to choose what game you want to watch, you're getting to do that now. You know, okay, in the first, let's see, I did it for uh, 18 years. First 15 years that I did the NCAAs, you were just hoping, okay, that yeah. all of the all of the all of the, the the networks could join you when you had a big time moment. We weren't always sure that that could happen. So as someone who grew up watching it, when you mentioned Raycom Sports and Jefferson Pilot Sports, you're speaking my love language yeah. at that point in yeah. time. Yeah. Um, I've been watching Southern Hoops, the docuseries on SEC Network. I know that you were interviewed on and, and you're a part of. And I think mm -hmm. back to that era of college basketball and how localized everything was and how everything felt bigger than with the teams mm -hmm. that you were around or the conference you were around. The whole world is smaller now, Tim. In yeah, sports yeah. and everything that we cover, and I really think that's changed college basketball. But the NCAA tournament kind of remains the same, other than what you're yeah. talking about, where you can now just see any game you want on any of those right. networks at any time. What do you think about those days when you're on Jefferson Pilot and Raycom to the way the game well, has changed from then to now, but also how the tournaments remain the same? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because you you grew up on that, yeah, and. Uh, People will say, gosh, you were the soundtrack of my life. And I, that's a humbling thing to hear. But I'll also tell you this. At the same time I was doing uh, my first game on ESPN was in 1985 with Dickie V. And we did Duke <laughs> in Virginia. I'll never forget it. The late, great Terry Holland was coaching at Jim Laranega, the Miami head coach. Davey Odom, the outstanding coach of the past at Wake and at South Carolina uh, on his staff. Uh, and Mike was in his first run to the uh, – you know, he had that that team that was just a year away from making its first run to the Final Four in 1986. That was an incredible time. And when somebody says to, to me now, like a fan, for instance, in Providence, I'm coming out of uh, 
uh, the AMP uh, arena there in, in downtown Providence. And somebody was like, I grew up on you. And I'm like, well, that really means a lot to me. We love the fact that you're doing Big East games. And so that means a lot to me, too. Uh, the, I was really fortunate to hit college basketball as it was taking off in the mid-'80s. When somebody says to me, the Big East is back, but it's not like the old Big East. I'm like, well, nothing's the way it used to be. College basketball was at its zenith in those days. And that started really after the Bird Magic Final Four in 79 on into 1980, early 80s. When we had it in New Orleans in 82, I was a cub reporter on Canal Street at WGSO Radio. And I met Kurt Gowdy there for the very first time. He was my mentor. Uh, I met Dean Smith in the portal of North Carolina's locker room. He was looking out. I swear to you, I saw this. One day when I write the book, I'll talk about it. But he he was hitting on a cigarette. He was <laughs> nervous before the Saturday semifinals. And being a young broadcaster that wanted to make his mark, I just walked right up to him and said, Hi, Coach Smith. Tim Brando, how are you? <laughs> you know? And he was like stunned. You know, in those days, uh, the floor was far, far away from anyone. And the locker rooms were like 125 yards from where the arena floor was located. But but to get to the bathroom, you had to go that distance. And I just happened to see him, and I thought, gosh, this is a this may be a historic moment. I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself. And he looked at me right after that and said, boy, this is something, isn't it? Looking at the crowd. You know, it was packed to the rafters. Now, that was 41 years ago, fellas. And the tournament took on so much more meaning at that point in time. So when people say it's not the way it used to be, I'm like, well, nothing is. But the the NCAA tournament is still not only what it's been, but it's only getting better. Uh, I wish the college basketball regular season got more attention because I think the game deserves that. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a volume dealer. We provide a lot of programming, but the very networks that carry college basketball have daytime debate shows that don't even discuss it at all. And that's a shame. That is a real shame. Tim Brando, our guest on Outkick 360. Uh, you mentioned the Big East. Uh, your thoughts on the, the strength of the, the top end of that conference and the damage that they could do to this bracket for a lot of fans. Well, the only difference in the Big East, fellas, and the Big 12 and the Big 10, are the number of members. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm here to tell you, those teams that didn't get there, okay, St. John's, DePaul, uh, DePaul had a, you know, the one loss record is awful. Yes, but they could take you to the limit every time out. And so the bad teams aren't really that bad. And once you get to, you know, the, the, the middle tier, that, that top five teams, you know, that are in the tournament, you see them. I think there's some deep runs out there. I'll give you an example. I, I think Xavier is in a great spot to go all the way to the regional finals against Houston. That's that's who I have uh, coming out of that region. I think Xavier with uh, Sean Miller at the helm, that's one of the most efficient offenses in the country. If they can D up just a little, uh, and if they happen to get Fremantle back, he's been out for just about a month. If they get him along with Nunji to be a high-low double post, or as my old friend Al McGuire used to say, they got two aircraft carriers. They got two of them. <laughs> Look out. Uh, they're a team that can give you a lot of trouble. I think Providence is a, I mean, you got to pick an 11-6 game. If you're looking for an upset in the bracket, Providence over Kentucky in the 11-6 game. Bryce Hopkins cannot wait to go up against the Big Blue. He was almost the player of the year in the league. Kolick got it, but Bryce had a lot of votes. Trust me. 
And in Ed Croswell, he's got another bully in the paint and Clifton Moore coming off the bench, another near seven footer that they can fight off Shibwe and others with. I, I just think if their guards play well, uh, if Noah Locke is knocking down threes, they don't shoot the ball from three very well. Noah Locke is their best three ball shooter. But um, Carter in the backcourt, uh, along with um, uh, so many others that they have from a defensive standpoint, if they can step it up and get some offense from Jared Bynum, who's their point guard, uh, I think they're going to beat Kentucky. Just watch. The only team in the Big East that I thought got a bad draw was Connecticut. Uh, and probably Danny Hurley is on the hot seat more than any of them because of the fan base at UConn. I don't like their draw. They're going to more than likely wind up against Kansas in the Sweet 16, so I don't think they'll make a deep run. They may struggle with uh, with VCU, but they've got perhaps the best starting five and the most NBA players that you'll find on a roster within the Big East. So I think they'll hold up very, very well. Uh, Creighton's in a pretty good spot, too, to make the Sweet 16. I think they can beat Baylor if they happen to get that far in the uh, end of the second round. Uh, I foresee a, a Creighton win potentially over Baylor uh, in the second round. So I have a lot of confidence, a lot of faith in the new Big East. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting my money behind it uh, whenever we're talking some of the spreads later. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the conference and the head-to-head matchups just because of the tournament was so so much fun to watch. What do you think about the chance and of Rick Pitino getting back in the conference, back in the Big East at St. John's? Well, 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 that's part of the problem for the draw with UConn. There's pressure. Yep here for Danny Hurley to beat Patino, don't you think? Yes. And with the potential, the potential of Rick coming into the league, uh, as, as, uh, at St. John's. And I know, you know, Georgetown was another, uh, uh, program that was linked to him a little bit as well. Um, that other name that may be floating around a little bit in the big East, keep an eye on it is Bobby Hurley. Okay. After the play in game, uh, that Arizona state must play, mm. uh, if he can make the noise, we'll see. But, I think some teams, some programs, maybe multiple programs in the Big East are, are eyeing him at this stage. Um, let me give you one other uh, first-round upset that I really like, and that is Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Oh. Bob Marlin is an outstanding coach, been around a long time. He may, he may, also, <laughs> he may be almost my age, uh, but he's done it at Sam Houston State. Now he's done it uh, down in Lafayette, Louisiana. Tennessee's without one of their top players. I think it's affected them. I thought it was an issue for them last week in the SEC tournament. They still held on to a four seed. I may, I think they may be a little overseeded, and Texas A&M may be a little underseeded uh, out of that conference. So that's another upset that I foresee. And FAU is another team that in your bracket could be a potential bracket buster, and Charleston as well. Uh, San Diego State, many people think, uh, could possibly uh, be an upset uh team for Alabama to think about. I don't think so. I think Alabama could handle them, especially where the game would be played uh, in Birmingham. Charleston, though, is a tough out. That's a really good team uh, with three or four players that could play at any power six school in, in college basketball. The, the, the reason I don't like Alabama is because I think Virginia is a problem. Uh, I, I think Virginia can expose Alabama's issues by um, playing that kind of uh, disciplined game. If they just make shots, you know, that's what Tony Bennett needs. But as I said, if Alabama happens to get past them, Arizona's got more artillery than Alabama offensively, in my opinion. Ben Brando has been our guest here on Outkick 360. Hopefully we can do this a week from now. I'd love to get your thoughts on the Sweet 16 as we look ahead, Tim. And uh, we really appreciate the yeah. visit today and the insight. Well, dial me up. I'm always in this awesome. time of year. I'll, 
as long as as long as you can work around my tea times. All right, okay, yeah, no, no we'll problem, no <laughs> problem. As long as you tee it okay. off in the morning, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah here in the afternoon, yeah, in the seventies, seventies by next week yeah. is what we're expecting. In the sport. <laughs> thank, thank you, Tim. You bet, fellas, anytime. Tim Brando, there, uh, one of the best, has been our guest there from Fox Sports. Coming up, Chad, get weird. Time to get weird with a an attack. Chad said he was pissed off for greatness earlier. Got another example of that next and I'll get 360. The latest on John Morant and Aaron Rodgers' watch in New York. That's coming up on Outkick 360 here on the Outkick Network. Chad, Davey Hudson, across from us here in studio, debuting a new segment. Let's get weird. And I do know the subject matter. I don't know the full story. Chad doesn't even know the subject matter, but it involves an animal. I know nothing. I think Chad embodies this animal today. As we started the show, he said he was pissed off for greatness. Davey, let's hear it. Thank you, Hudden. Colin, hit the music. I'm scared weird. All right. Diving into this, we're going to get weird. All right, okay. we, got, we got music. I like that. We're going out to Ohio. Some people call it America's trash can, the new Florida. I don't want to go that far, but we have a zebra that apparently has attacked a man. Shout out. I want to make sure I get his name right. Should already know this. I think it's Ronald. Shout out Ron, Big Ron. Clifton. Ronnie. 72 Big from Ronnie Clifton. Uh, Pickaway County, Ohio. Now, where this gets really weird is he owns some zebras. Well, apparently, one of his zebras, the male, attacked him. Almost ripped his arm right off. The zebra ripped up. Okay. Yes. He owns multiple zebras or just one zebra? We're looking at about seven zebras. Okay. And the next thing you know, (laughs) he calls 911 because obviously he's had his arm mauled by a zebra. Sure. So something you're probably not expecting if you're a dispatcher in rural Ohio. So sure. then he calls and the dispatcher's like, wait, did you just say you had your arm ripped off by a zebra? He goes, hell yeah, I did. So then the next thing we know is cops show up. They got a picture of him just laying on the ground. We got body, body footage. <laughs> um, Tyler, you got that one in there? Just make sure we get There he is. He's just laying there. Yeah, wow. he's not doing well. Looks like so a body farm out there then, in Ohio. Then as the paramedics, everybody's trying to help him, the male zebra keeps trying to charge them. So they drive a truck in between. They're setting the sirens off, trying to scare the zebra away. This thing keeps trying to attack. Eventually, we got the family in the background yelling, if you turn your back, he will attack. So the next thing is he ends up having to be like, if you got to shoot it, just shoot it. So the thing keeps charging at him. And then a female cop just grabs a 12-gauge and just shoots the zebra dead right there. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been the, uh, the decision uh, initially for me here. Um, so he's he's... The the male is protecting the six other females, right? Do we know that is, is this is this a light like a, a a wildlife reserve? You know, you have those things like the drive up, you petting zoo. You know, you can the animals are coming to and you park, or is this just like a black market? This guy just owns zebras. to no, there, eventually, there are wild zebras in the United States that roam uh, because of zoos and just zebras getting out. This is like a 73-acre farm, but yeah. it reminded me of the Zanesville Massacre. I don't know if you guys remember that one from about 10 years ago. Obviously, a tragic situation. I mean, most massacres, typically, that's, that's yeah. what happened. But yep. 
Yeah, you know, that guy ended up killing himself and had, I don't know, like 50 animals escape and they had to kill them all? You successfully found an entertaining story that I've heard nothing about until right now. So I would say job well done on the first edition of Let's Get Weird. Excellent work. There are nearly 200 zebras that roam California. But they, they've escaped from somewhere. We, we yeah. don't have zebras in the U.S. That some, one, they were in captivity well, at some we point. We do. One yeah. less after this story. Headlines next, including John Moran.